The idea of this podcast is simple, discipleship. We want to bring the gospel message about how to interact with your coworkers, your culture, your friends, everyone around you in a biblical way, which is, in essence, discipleship. What did Jesus do when he came to this earth? He took the devil's stuff. The Bible actually teaches that the world is becoming increasingly covered with the knowledge of the glory of God. That should change everything in the mind of a Christian. Instead of thinking about all the ways society is failing, we should think about all the ways society must be, as Psalm 1101 tells us, put underneath the feet of Jesus in victory. The Rebel Podcast. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome back to the Rebel Podcast, a special edition of the Rebel Podcast. Not that we have any editions, period, but a special one today because we are doing our 2023 reading review. You've all waited. You've all anticipated this episode for an entire year, wanting to know who won between P. Nate, Elder P., and Air Jordan, who is in the studio today, again with us for our review. And we also have... We're making his long-awaited return to Mini Garage Mahal, Wetsy. I won't say on the knobs and dials, on the finger screen. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> on his know. cell phone, on his cell phone. Like, it's unbelievable. But we are the Rebels, and we are back. Yeah, it's uh, um, we're, we're here. And you know what's funny is that this this episode has actually been a very requested episode. We, we all kind of thought that this was our humble brag episode where we all just talked about how many books we read. And last year, we kind of challenged each other, and we had a, a bit of a challenge between the three of us who could read the most. But interestingly, there were a ton of people who liked that episode and actually took that personal challenge themselves. And maybe there's somebody out there. I haven't. Nobody's talked to me yet if anybody beats our total. So talk to us if you did, because you deserve a big high five. We'll all repent of this episode afterwards in terms of the uh, the pride. But like... <laughs> Truthfully, there's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) There's lots of people who actually have talked to me this year, and and they're like, "I don't read anything," and yet this year I read five books because I was listening to this episode. We have a a, a lady in our church who I I don't know how much she got up to. I think you knew that, but she, you know, again, she'd normally read ten or fifteen books or whatever. And Jen DeWitt uh, told me she she nailed out thirty nine books. Yeah, that's huge. Fantastic. (laughs) Yeah, that's fantastic. So we've talked to a bunch of people who like they they actually took their reading challenge. And we said at the time, like, leaders are readers, and we we are transformed by the renewal of our minds. We ought to obviously be in God's word, but reading good books uh, that tell the truth about God's world, whether they're fiction, whether they're Christian books, whether they're whatever, is all good. So that's the episode today. I just want to um, very, very quickly reminder that we are the Rebels. Um, You can listen to us on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. We are connected with the Ezra Institute as well. If you have not started following the uh, feed for the podcast for Cultural Reformation, migrate over there as well, because as we integrate these shows together, um, eventually we will be on one feed. So make sure you're listening to both of them. The other thing I would just say is I wanted to plug, speaking of Ezra, there's a conference coming up on March 8th. It's a Friday evening. We're hosting it here at Crossroads Bible Church, and it's called the, the Big Three Seminar. And the idea here is that we are teaming up Answers in Genesis, Cal Smith, who's the Canadian president of Answers in Genesis, the Cross Current, um, which is uh, uh, founded and uh, and led by Corey McKenna, 
and uh, the Ezra Institute. I'm the Canadian director of that. We're teaming up to have a conference. It's called the Big Three Conference, kind of riffing off the big three questions that every worldview has to answer. And they are, where do we come from? What's the meaning of life? And what happens when we die? And so we think that each of these ministries is well-equipped to answer one of those questions. Obviously, answers in Genesis, talking about origins, where do we come from? Cal Smith is going to talk on that. Uh, what's the meaning of life? The Ezra Institute, uh, talking about Christ's lordship over every sphere of life. I think I'm equipped to speak on that. And then what happens when we die? Corey McKenna with the Cross Current, which is an equipping evangelist ministry, is going to be talking about that. So anyway, I would just encourage you, if that is of any interest to you, the idea here is that we want to equip people in the church to be able to answer these questions in personal conversations with skeptics, with friends, with family members, all of that kind of stuff. So just visit the three big questions. That's the number three bigquestions.ca uh, to find out more details about that upcoming seminar. Yeah. And then the next day I'll be doing the non-important three questions, which are like, will Josh Allen ever beat Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs? Yeah. <laughs> um, no. Batman or Superman? And are Superman. you really a man if you don't have a beard? So. Well, I'll, I'll be leaving. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a nice show. Yeah, that's a, uh, I have a, I have a meme that I often uh, message. Jordan may have gotten this one, actually. Uh, usually on Father's Day, I message it out to some of my friends. Um, and it's Zach Galifianakis. It's a picture of him. And it just says, you don't have a beard? Well, happy Mother's Day. <laughs> and I send it out to my friends on Father's Day who don't have beards. I live vicariously through you guys. So <laughs> I appreciate how nice your beards are. I notice Thank it. You. Yeah. There's only 50% of you here that have beards. Yeah, that's, true. that's right. Dave doesn't have a beard either. The proper 50. That's right. You know, it's funny. If you if somebody would have said, does Wetlaffer have a beard? My mental picture would have said yes. In other words, David Wetlaffer is more manly in your mind than he is in real life. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is the answer to the question is yes. 100%. All right, you do, so, you're doing well, AJ? Yeah, everything's good. I, was, I think that's maybe the first time I ever called you AJ in my yeah, life. Yeah, um, I mean, I've been playing around in the minors for a bit, you know, working my way <laughs> sorry, back up. Yeah, and uh, here we are. Finally got the call up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's been killing it down <laughs> yeah. in the AHL. I think my reading stats have just been exemplary last year, so yeah. I made it up. Yeah, you had a bad fall, yeah. uh, but you rebounded, so you made it back to the pros. That's right. Uh, like, that's right. Uh, that's yeah. so funny, and so this episode, we're going to kind of revisit um, an episode that we did earlier in the year where we were talking about reading challenges and just some of our goals for reading books. We all kind of had this number 100 in our minds. We were kind of chasing 100 in terms of trying to read 100 books in a year. I would just say it got a little silly. <laughs> Is it, can I agree with, can, can I get some amens? Like, I, yeah, I think the 100, the, like, I think our memories, we were all kind of keen on like 60, 70. And then what happened is that as we started reading, we started to get crazy numbers like in May, June. And we were like, all of a sudden it just dawned on us like, well, now the competition's actually on. Like at the beginning it was like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we could just read this bit? And then it was like, I will be less of a man if I lose to Jordan or like, you know, like it just got kind of out of hand. <laughs> There's actually, so our family's, uh, uh, Jordan and I's family's uh, vacation together this year. And so we were like sitting on the beach and like Jordan's out playing with his kids. And then I like pull out a book to start reading and you just see Jordan like look over and then Jordan like whips out his book and comes and says that like there's, there was some unhealthy aspects. Well, even as we were driving up, our kids were watching a movie and I would ask my wife, I was like, so I'm going to have my headphones in yeah. or like one of them in and listen to a book you cool with that and i read on the way up it's like five hours is like money yeah that's right yeah. that's prime that's prime most reading of time. a book right there yeah, yeah. so let, it was 100 pages <laughs> what's he thought it was 100 pages and you know what he crushed that he yeah, crushed, crushed he got 103 um, <laughs> so well done okay before we launch into our we, we're going to go through a series of things here which we can kind of all just bounce around i just want to confess some things 
Oh boy. Um, and I want us, I want you guys to share in the misery and hopefully affirm that you guys also did this. Did either of you at some point this year turn down plans with somebody, a friend, maybe perhaps me <laughs> to stay home to read? Yes. That, yes. that happened. Yes. And that's not unusual for me, but it did happen with higher frequency this year. For sure. I turned down things that previously I, I wouldn't have like for sure. Cause I was like one, the challenge. And also there's, just as we'll get into, there's a few books that I just got really into this year. And it's like, there's nothing you can offer me that's better than this book. So I'm going to read this book. And I, yeah, I turned down going to a Michigan football game because I was like, I can't give up an eight hour Saturday. <laughs> like, just like, I, I would have gone that. to the football game. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, you I, win I for turned, most education. I turned, it, I turned it down. Now, in fairness, I've been to lots and this is the year they won the national title. And I didn't go to a game because I was like, you know what? So it's your fault that they haven't been winning national titles. That's what I hear. That's they what won this say. year. So <laughs> okay. that's, um, but I've done that, and I've t- turned down multiple plans. So I'm glad you guys are with me. Yeah, yeah. it did happen. Oh, yeah. For people who know me, I'm a pretty obsessive person. When I get no. my mind on <laughs> Jordan, something, I, Jordan I, Cecile, I, I, can't, no. I latch onto it. So when it came down to a competition, it was just like, all right, it's go time. And if I was mowing my lawn, if I was walking, if I was running, if I was driving, if I was doing the dishes, I always had... A book like I was listening to a book every time I did that for the past like six months so you got to do you just have a a a fairly quiet lawnmower I tried that like I've always tried because I I like obviously like I don't mind being out doing yard work and stuff but the lawnmower always drowns out the noise and noise canceling headphones yeah, that's how you See, do it. I don't I have like those little like wireless I put those in and then I was putting headphones up like oh, yeah, those like yeah, yeah. things over top just to keep the noise down because like you know that's an hour for me probably twice a week yeah but when you're reading it like for me i'll read at like 1.2 to 1.7 depending on the narrator so i mean that hour is actually like 1.7 yeah, yeah. times that yeah, yeah. depending on whoever the, the narrator is so yeah. through the summer i had a book series that was like this is my lawn mowing books that I'll read, which were the Maritime series by Doug Wilson, which I think we all actually read. We confirmed. did, yeah. But I read those while I was mowing the grass. Because like... Yeah. It's, it's better to read fiction w- yeah, when, yeah. when there's stuff going on. Okay, let's just be... Because we could just talk about the nerdy details. We do want this episode to be helpful. There will be a lot of humble brags, but let's just get the numbers out of the way here. All right, so we all hit the magic number of 100. Mm-hmm. So that's yes. awesome. Good job, fellas, because I've never read North of 60 before. Of course, I've never really no, documented no, you, it. No, you, you nailed 70. A couple years ago? Yeah. Because one of the things that sparked, because like, you don't maybe even know this, you and Jude St. John. Yeah, we um, used to have the 50 challenge. Yeah, one year you both were like, oh, I just hit 70. And this was before I read, because I at that time I was like 19, and I was like like not in age and in <laughs> amount of books, and I was like. Because that would have made me 10. My gosh. <laughs> Chris is not old. He is older. Uh, but I remember being like, oh, my word, I don't read enough. Cause I, and then I, I upped my reading uh, to try okay. to catch up. Uh, and okay. then now the student has become the master. <laughs> oh, well, there's a, there's, yeah. So, okay. I'm joking. So I, I pulled up the rear in this. I'll admit it. I hit 102 books. That's how many books I read this year. 102 books. And I'm, I'm proud of the list I made, but uh, I pulled up the rear in this, uh, in this room. So I was number three. Jordan? 121. 121. Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. You're insane. And Chris? 130. 130. Now, I will note that when we were playing this competition, Chris did give us a handicap. Yeah, you guys have kids. Um, What was the handicap, though? I think it was 
20 was books? a 30 book handicap. Yeah, that was, that was outrageous. I, I'm, thinking like, <laughs> I'm thinking like, what would you get? 122? Like, 121. Yeah, yeah. So like it's six. Books. It's like six. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I seem to remember, I seem to remember 20 was what stood out in my mind, whether it was 20 or 30, either way, it does push Jordan over. So I would say that he was the winner this year, but I mean, that's debatable. Honestly, if you're on social media, go and, and tell us in the comment section yeah. who, who who the real winner is here. You know, Jordan with children or Chris with the busy ministry schedule. And, and um, also remember that I book who comes on the podcast. So if you have any hope of ever being on, <laughs> yes. there's okay. one answer. Okay. Well, <laughs> total pages. Uh, total page. Okay. So I didn't I know. Do, the, I, I know you prefer tracking pages. So I do. I, I do all of it by pages. Yeah. So I read 38,103 pages. Okay which is a, an average of 104 pages per day. Um, 104 pages a day yeah. wow. for you. Yeah. I didn't track my pages because I didn't, uh, I, I'm not as obsessive on Goodreads <laughs> as you guys, so I don't have yeah. all the stats with me here, but uh, I can still follow along so with some of these. For me, just for those who care, uh, I had 32,511 pages. Oh, wow. Awesome. And my average page length was 268 pages for per book. Per book. Oh, my average page per book was 293. Okay. Which is actually much like, so just in frame of reference for, for like, I read 130 this year, but I actually only read 2,000 more pages than I did the year before. Right. But I read significantly shorter books, mm -hmm. which we'll talk about when we start talking about your books because you read some of the books I read the previous year, yep. which are monsters. But 293 was my average length book. So what would you guys say? Cause Jordan was just talking and he said, I read at 1.1 or 1.2. And it's just like, some of our listeners might be sitting there going like, what do you mean you read at that? So like we're counting audiobooks here. We had a big discussion. That was, that was last year's uh, fight to have. So we included audiobooks and listening. What was the percentage on average in terms of what you listened to versus what you read? I'd say probably like 60% was probably audiobooks. Oh, I'm, see, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the reverse. I read 29 audiobooks. I didn't have Canon Plus until the summer. And so it was just like one audible credit every month kind of thing. But a large percentage of like the audiobooks I listened to were all off Canon Plus. Mm, so, yeah, um, that's which, like that's like me, too. Like we'll get to the amount of Wilson books that we all read. But like I was probably about 60 percent read physical books and then 40 percent listened to. But that's way more than I ever have. And that's all credit to Canon Plus. Like mm -hmm. every audiobook I read this year was on Canon Plus because I just got rid of my Audible account yeah. when I got Canon Plus last January. So. Yep. I had a lot of credits because I forgot that I had Audible for like a year. I did that the so year So I had before. like yeah, 15 yeah. credits or something. So like, I think I still have one that I haven't used, but it's been canceled since like yeah. May probably. Um, All right. What are some of the other questions you wanted to go through? Jordan made a whole list of good ones. Yeah. Let's just knock off some of them. Yeah. So for those who are interested in those like book summary reviews, I know a lot of Christian bloggers and pastors will do like their best. Yep. Christian book, their best fiction, best nonfiction. So I put together a list of categories that uh, we can go through. We might not touch on all of them, but just for those who are interested, the categories, uh, best Christian book, best fiction, best nonfiction, best biography or history, best guilty pleasure, uh, biggest surprise, your mm. biggest disappointment, the hardest book you read, mm. funniest book you read, the best audiobook, because if you do listen to audiobooks, the yep. narrator can make a big, big, uh, big, big difference, difference. Yeah. the worst book. <laughs> and then if you had a worst did not finish, so you couldn't even bring yourself to finish it, that's another one. And then book of the year. There's a couple others that we can talk about if we have time, but ooh. I love it. I love it. All right. Let's get spiritual first. What's uh, What was the best Christian book you guys read this year? I just want to clarify to people, I'm treating this like it's the offensive player of the year. So 
the book that won book of the year doesn't qualify to be in these categories. Got it. So the best Christian book I, I read of the year, I gave it to the covenant household oh, by Doug Wilson. Yep. Content wise, not like the strongest book out of all the books I read, obviously, but I thought like if out of a book that came back to my mind the most, and I recommended it the most, I bought it like well, not, when I say me, I mean us for the men's conference, we bought 60 copies to give out to yep. give out to people. Um, so I, I put that as my, my biggest book of the year, uh, my best book of the year, because I think it's the one that kind of was with me for the whole year. If that makes, that makes sense. It's the one I went back to, which I don't generally go back to books yep. in the same year. So that was me, Dougie Wilson, Covenant Household. Nice. Mine was a book that I had mostly read previously, but we came circled back to it this year was uh, Counseling the Hard Cases. Yeah. I don't think there is a Christian book that is more applicable than that. Yeah. I think there's like, they just literally tell you what to do on how to, somebody comes to you and like really hard counseling cases. So if anybody has ever had to deal with the loss of a loved one or somebody who's struggling with what would be diagnosed as obsessive compulsive disorder or multiple personalities. Like it gets into the, the really, the really, really hard stuff that even most, I think many pastors would have a hard time in counseling. So these are seasoned trained biblical counselors. So I just thought it was one really helpful to see how they navigate those things. But then you actually could just literally read the chapter on that going into a counseling session with somebody and just do what they did. When I read that, I, I highlighted a lot of sections that I'm like this just to like, if, so I can open that book real quickly and do exactly that. Like, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Like when you're kind of prepping for something. We should probably tell everybody the books that we all read together. Well, that was when yep. we all read together. Yep. Um, Jordan's just more spiritual and he decided to make that his, his win. <laughs> <laughs> well, we did, yeah. We read that one. We read Idols for Destruction by Henry Schlossberg. That was my runner-up. Was it? Yeah, that was... I mean, so apparently when Nate picks the books you read... <laughs> uh, it's also one of my <laughs> least favorite books of the year. <laughs> that was picked for different reasons. Yeah. yeah. What are some of the other ones that we all read together? Uh, um, we all read Mere Christendom. Yeah. We all read Abolition of Man. Yeah, that was uh, part of the pastoral discipleship as well. I believe we all read Religious Affections together. I'm we just did. not sure if we all finished it. Yeah, I finished uh, it. Yeah. And then there, there's lots of like just books we all read at different times of the year. Because we all have Canon Plus. Exactly, right? Like, <laughs> really? Um, yeah. Did you say what your best Christian yeah, book Covenant was? Household. Covenant Household. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. You know, I struggled because in my mind, I immediately, I was like, you know what? It's probably Mere Christendom, Doug Wilson. Like, we can maybe talk about that book because I would say it, it's a great book. Don't get me wrong. It was a great book. But I was actually a little let down by Mere Christendom. I, I know that's like blasphemous to I say. Like for, I feel like we're actually going to get canceled. Yeah, right maybe. Like, like, so here's the thing. It, it is a great book. But for and we'll talk about how much like Wilson content we ingest. So for a guy who's read as much Wilson as I have and as much of his blogs as I did, I just found a lot of it was recycled material. It was it was great that it was all put together. And it's a great book to put in the hands of somebody. But like when you're already you know, you know, and I get that we'll have to define it or whatever. But when, when you're already a theonomist, a Christian nationalist, and you're already in for the Moscow mood, so to speak, and you've followed their content for a long time, I don't think you're reading any of that going like, oh, this is groundbreaking. You know what I mean? Yeah. What's, what's funny about that book? I'm seeing uh, some nods, but a little yeah, bit yeah. of like well, hesitation okay, not, to say not it. Not that like, we're jumping ahead, but I mean, like that was actually my biggest disappointment of the year. Oh, was Mere Christendom. And, and not because I disagreed with any of it. Like right. I yes and amen the whole thing. Yeah. But... It was more for people who, yeah, like you just said, you're trying to persuade to come into the camp, whereas like we're already here, it's like we're already tooting the horn. And so it's, it wasn't what I was wanting, where I, I was wanting 
more than that and yeah. it just wasn't that that's not a knock against him it's more i think my expectations were probably yeah that's what i was gonna say because me and uh, our good friend barry had a conversation about that book and i think the problem is that we elevated what it was going to be rather mm-hmm. than what it actually was ever said it was going to be because in my mind it was going to be his mission of god mm-hmm. it was going to be his here's my magnum opus right. 500 page yeah. i thought that too but I actually think we're underselling it because I think it's actually our expectations that oversold the books. Why? Yeah, that's but great. I actually think it's something that we're going to go back to in two or three years and actually be like, no, it was actually a much better book than we give it credit for at the time. One of the things I think we celebrate Wilson for often is that he doesn't need to take 5,000 pages yeah. to say, and it's all there in, in Mere Christendom. I wanted him to go on all of his rants, all of his yeah. like, I, I was I was there for that and it didn't do it in that book. And, but. and sometimes I wanted a book that I could put in the hands of somebody who disagrees with our stance and for it to like check all the boxes, you know, respond to every criticism. And it just wasn't that. It wasn't that like, you know, you know how sometimes if you give somebody, like I honestly think Mission of God is, is a great one to use because when you give somebody the Mission of God, it's hard to argue. It's it's thorough. It, it goes, it, it anticipates yeah. responses. And it's Doug's just unlikely that. that they're going to read it though. Like, Good point. Yeah, good point. Anyway, sorry, that's, uh, I kind of derailed that. My best Christian book of the year was actually one that I've read before, but it's just hard not to give this like the 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 title or the, yeah, is Notes from the Tilt-A-Whirl. Like mm-hmm. I reread that book and it's just, I mean, Notes from the Tilt-A-Whirl is one of my favorite books of all time. So I had to, I had to give it the nod, even though it was a reread and I've read it. I think that was the third or fourth time that I've read it. And it was cool because on Canon Plus, Nate Wilson actually does the narration for it. So it's kind of, it's all, I always love listening to the author and how they, how they read their own book. So I gave that the best Christian book of the year. Okay. So best fiction. I think you guys are on the same page. You've convinced me to read a book that uh, I hadn't previously read, but I read it in 2022. So I thought you read it a long time ago. No, no. Okay. So anyways, for me, because this book just was, I don't know, it's a super nerdy fantasy book. It's called The Way of Kings, part of the Stormlight Archive, Brandon Sanderson. If anybody likes fantasy literature, Brandon Sanderson's kind of the current goat in fantasy literature. Finish the Wheel of Time. He's a Mormon guy. Um, So he's got like, I say that just say he's he's not, he's not really woke. He's not really... like Christian. Yeah, he's not Christian, but (laughs) but he comes with a, like a conservative writing point viewpoint so it's kind of safe even though it's coming out right now because like let's be honest like lots of the stuff that comes out now i don't read because i'm like it's probably woke trash right and yeah. sanderson isn't that well and there's like there's yeah. strong male characters the men are the leaders like yeah. the proper hierarchy in society so he has really good things there and he is just a master storyteller like i, I was telling my wife or I, when i was reading it i sat for four and a half hours on a Saturday night starting at nine o'clock and read for four and a half hours. Cause I was like, it got to a point where I was like, I can't put this down. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just, I'm in, you got me. And so I just had a fun time reading it and I hadn't really read a ton of fiction over the last few years. It's mostly just been theology. So it was a nice change of pace. So yeah, that series. And then the other one, the second book in the series I, I read as well, but that particular one just blew my mind. I just had a lot of fun with it. Now, if you're one of those people who are predisposed to read a fiction book like that, don't get alarmed at the fact that it looks like it's a brick when you go to pick it up. It goes faster than that. Yeah. So the second one was the biggest book I read in the year. Hmm. The first one is 989 pages. The second one is over a thousand. And then the fourth one is like close to 1300. So they're just, they're tomes. (laughs) They're huge. So they're, they're big books. Yeah, so some people will finish it like, you know, 2026, yeah. <laughs> um, like if they start, but it's yeah, fine. Yeah. It's fine. So, but uh, yeah, that, that was my favorite uh, 
my runner up, just I'll, I'll throw it in there real quick because it was kind of profound, is that hideous strength. Yeah. Yeah. Is that a, is that a fiction book? I mean, <laughs> yeah. it, it crosses some, it gets into prophecy in some ways, but that was C.S. Lewis, if you haven't read it, yeah, speaks that, to our current Yeah, the, the whole space trilogy is fantastic. Some of my, my favorite fiction, uh, That Hideous Strength is fantastic. I can't recommend it, it more. It's a great, compelling story, but you will find it very prophetic, you mm -hmm. know, in the fact that C.S. Lewis saw some things coming downstream in culture that uh, I don't think a lot of people did. What was your best fiction, Chris? My best fiction, I, I'm going to give it to Here of the Empire by Timothy Zahn. It's a, if anybody knows, it's the Thrawn um, trilogy in the Star Wars Expanded Universe. So I'm nerd, nerd alert. Nerd. Yeah. Nerd. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you guys are really yeah. like, I decided to reread the like Expanded Universe of Star Wars um, just because like in my mind, it was not woke. It was not these things. So I wonder read and be like, is it still is that still true? And it is. And it's pure. I like the new trilogies. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's like, there's no sex scenes. There's no swearing. There's like. Star Wars has um, always been like, good for it's that. Very, it's good. very good. But it still kind of feels like there are some that are like more adult themed, if that makes sense. Which is so it's actually good. It kind of matured. The Here to the Empire series is the sequels to the original trilogy. And so I was just like, every couple of years I go back and reread them because they're, they're quick and they're, they were great. That would be my winner. I was really tempted to say The Potter's Promise by Leighton Flowers <laughs> as fiction, but... We'll like, get to that book. Uh, we'll get to that book. So. I would say my best fiction of the year was The Man Who Was Thursday by uh, Chesterton. I, I read that for, actually for the first time. I'm a huge Chesterton fan, but I, I just never read it before. Um, it's sort of his psychological thriller. It was everything that you expect from awesome Chesterton, and it was phenomenal. I, did, I didn't even know he had fiction I didn't books. know that was a book. So good. No, no. Yep. Yeah, so I'm good. Learning. Okay, best nonfiction. So in this yeah, category, we define that. So. Yeah. Is that just like best? Cause that's kind of best Christian book, but not like, cause I didn't, it doesn't have to be a Christian book. Yeah. Like okay. it could be like, I think of, so this isn't my winner, but, um, like men in marriage, that's like oh, okay. a nonfiction yeah. book. Okay. Fair it enough. doesn't necessarily have yeah, to yeah. be a Christian. Oh. That actually, that actually probably would be mine then. I didn't, yeah. I didn't know how to answer that one, but you're right. Like, so I, mine probably would be men in marriage by George Gilder. That was, uh, that was a phenomenal book. Um, I read that when it came out on Canon Plus, and uh, I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, that was my runner-up. My my actual winner. This was like a Christian one, but it, because it talked spoke on things that weren't Christian specific, was Idols for Destruction. Yeah, I've never read Schlossberg. a book that was more mind blowing in terms of like economics and politics and like everything that he touched on, like monetary policy. He just understood all of it and made it. Yeah, pretty, he's got a pretty. He's clear. got a yeah. supercomputer okay. brain yeah. for sure. So that that to me was just like so profound. Yeah. And uh, but it was nice that it was from the Christian perspective. Yep. Obviously, for as, sure, as Gilder was as well. G yeah. But um, you don't have to be a Christian to appreciate, appreciate the things that is, are coming yeah. out of it. So I kind of went the same vein as you. It's like it's like a Christian book, but it's not a theology book. Yeah. And mine was the Fox's Book of Martyrs. Um, oh, nice. So I go back to the Fox's Book of Martyrs every probably every two or three years because I find it unbelievably encouraging and helpful. I'm blown away every time I go through it, but like what people were being put to death for and they were happy about it. Like it was just like, oh yeah, yeah I'm not, I'm just not doing that. Like, and so it just, it, it strengthens my faith. And so I put that down as my uh, best nonfiction because it's kind of more of a history book really. Yeah, that's um, fair. That's so. fair. Okay. Best biography or history. Fox's Book of Martyrs kind of was oh, both yeah, those yeah, things yeah, for me. Yeah. So. I have uh, Band of Brothers. Oh, nice. I love the TV show when it came out. Oh. I've never read it. It was really good. It was cool just getting more in depth. I read a few different like World War II era ones. I mean, I've read some pirate ones as well, which were kind of fun. Uh, I know Born you, to be hanged? Yeah, we, we you and I read, right? we read the pirate book together. But I don't know, Band of Brothers, it was just 
what those guys did was really cool. It's it's a cool story and yep. great to get more insight on uh, on that. Some of the conversations we had through text this year were hilarious because we'd be talking about like, oh, here's this theology book that we're reading. And then, we, and then in the middle of the conversation, we just switched to talking about pirates. And it was like, <laughs> like, it was like, like well, I'd like to uh, remember the I had asked you the the morality of an AI generated pirate language <laughs> version of the Bible because <laughs> it actually exists. It's like, is uh, it? So I funny. wanted to buy it just because I thought it was cool and because some people were up in arms over it. So. Yeah, we even talked about should a pirate language translation of the Bible exist? So it's funny. And it does, and you have it. And it does. <laughs> I didn't actually buy it. I didn't, but you can buy it. And it's it's actually quite amazing. I'm waiting for it to be on book outlet. Yeah, like, <laughs> so, define guilty pleasure. So like, because you guys put like new best guilty pleasure on the list, and I didn't really understand. So when so, I put this together, I was thinking the book that... You don't it's want like, to admit on the podcast like, do that I, you read. Do I really want it. to tell people I read this book? And mm-hmm. so like for me, some could maybe debate that it's a guilty pleasure, but like I put the Jack Carr, the latest one, because it's like, it, it's this espionage rogue. Oh, no, I'm proud of those. Right? And so, I mean, like some could see that as it's like, it's just my every May, he comes out with a new one. I love it. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of like a popcorn action flick in a book. It's not anything serious. It's so that's kind of what I was thinking with with guilty pleasure. Where it's like I just love it. I don't care what you say. I'm going to read it. I was thinking Doug Wilson's Maritime series on it, and it's not because I'm ashamed of it or whatever, but it's because like it is like youth fiction, yeah. right? So like it's they're kind of kids books. I'll I'll eventually read them to my my kids, but I put guilty pleasure because I actually I loved reading those. Like I, I actually thought those were such enjoyable books, good stories, mm-hmm. wholesome. There's nothing gritty. It was just a pleasurable read, and it was like a youth fiction book. I felt like I was reading Twilight, but like, you know, Christian, you know. Anyway, so yeah, I, I okay. put the Maritime series. That's that, that's that, kind of how I read it. Yeah, that's kind of how I took, when I answered the question, that's how I kind of took it. It was like, what's something that I read, I enjoyed, but I'm not like busting down people's doors, but like, you should go read this, like, right, kind enough. of thing. And like, nothing I read would I say I'm, a, I'm ashamed that I read it or I wouldn't mm-hmm. have read it. So for me, it was the new Jedi order. Cause like I said, I went through the, the yeah. um, and that's like 19 books and I read it all. Now they're all like 330, but it's like, it's the story of how Luke reforms the Jedi order. And there's a big war against the Yuzong Vaughn, uh, my nerd. <laughs> but it's like, it's actually kind of fun. Like yeah. you're kind of reading and be like, this is kind of wasted time, but whatever. All right, what book was your biggest surprise? Idols for Destruction. Yeah. That just blew my mind. Yep. That book was like profound. How brilliant that dude is and nobody even knows that he exists is just a darn shame. Well, I remember when I first gave you guys that book and and it was sort of on the reading list for pastoral discipleship stuff. You were both kind of like, you'd never heard of it, never heard of the guy. And even the first little bit, it's like, oh, this is actually, I, I think you're both annoyed with me too, because it's not an easy read, right? You got to kind of turn your brain on and work, I, work I at annoyed. it a bit. But then like, as you see how profound it is, as you begin to appreciate his, his brilliance. So um, yeah, yeah, he's like a random dude, as far as I can tell. Like he's not, yeah, nobody really knows about him and it's really, so that was, yeah, that was really good. Yeah. I, I also destruction, we can just touch on it really quickly. The, the thing that was so annoying about it is that like, I don't know how people read, but I'm a chapter reader. So yep. I generally read from chapter to chapter and then I decide if I'm going to read another chapter or if I'm putting it down for a bit or you, and usually it's just, I'm reading like 10 chapters or whatever, but idols, the chapters were like 70 pages of like intense. So it was like, I need to like. Because I'm that way, I couldn't stop in the middle. So it was yeah, like, you have to I need out. a three hour time. So I was getting annoyed, even though I was enjoying the book, because it also wasn't easy. So it's not like you could just 
kind of go in and out as you're as you're kind of reading it. Um, but that wasn't my my biggest surprise. I put two down as my biggest surprise. So I did one fiction. The first one was the Terminal List. Mm-hmm. Jordan recommended the series by Jack Carr, which is like espionage, like guy spy Navy SEAL thing. And I read it to kind of humor him. So um, <laughs> it was just like, like, yeah, I'll be fine. It'd be nice to talk about books. To keep, to and, keep caught up to him. Yeah, that he was and, then, and then I read the whole series. Um, <laughs> like, cause it's like, and they're like, the first one is unbelievable. So I have, so just so you guys know, I have a thousand eighty nine books on Goodreads or whatever. I've only given twenty books five stars. The Terminalist is one of them. Wow! So, like, so I loved it from the first page on. I was just like, I'm here for this, and I, I think I even said to you like. The vehicle I want now is yeah. the vehicle he drives in the in the things. Like that's what well, I, like. I, I think. What makes it the story so compelling to me right now is he has all of the skills that I wish I had, mm. and he is skills. And he's he's doing a thing that I think some of us would enjoy hearing happening, where he has this like list of people that wronged him and his squad and his family, and he's taking care of them. And it's like, but he's it's actually he uses it because the books are I think it's on sixth. I think yeah, they're done know? six, seven so comes out this year. And so he's actually using it as like a commentary of what's going on in the world. And so mm-hmm. his knowledge of the military and what's going on economically, there's a book in there talking about a virus being released and there's like all these things. Oh, so he's actually, but he uses it as a fairly conservative guy, not yeah. a Christian, but he's a conservative. And so he's using it as, so you're, you're kind of getting an inside view of how somebody with knowledge and actual capabilities and skills hmm. would interpret what we're seeing in the world right now. So in the COVID world, it's actually fascinating to see. It's like, wait, how do you think of this? And how do you look at this? And what would you do? And you kind of get that. So it does a a cool thing of like, um, it makes you question the morality of what he's kind of doing. Because he is, he is basically murdering people, Mm -hmm. but he's murdering people who very clearly deserve justice. And so it's like this thing where you're Mm -hmm. like, you're like, you're rooting for him. But then you're like, should I be rooting for him in this way? And then he does something that like, even you're like, yeah, that's kind of crossing the line, man. And then, but all of a sudden you're just like, but that guy clearly deserved it. And yeah. so like, he's doing this thing, the author to your brain of like, where are these lines that you're kind of comfortable with? So he kind of forces you to wrestle with like, that's the level I'm comfortable with vigilanteism or whatever. And then we watched the sound of freedom and we were both like, let's become Jack. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so like, my response was, um, let's just be him. Yeah. Let's be, let's be Jack. I put on, uh, in terms of my uh, biggest surprise was, um, Live Like a Narnian by Joe Rigney. Mm-hmm. I, so, I, and I think part of this was, I like Joe Rigney, but I just kind of picked it up because I was looking for more books to read. Like, this is what happens when you're plowing through books in a year. When he got signed at New St. Andrews, I was like, oh, I wonder if he's written anything else because I remember reading his book, um, The Things of Earth, and it kind of blowing me away. So anyway, I saw this, and I, I just happened to be reading through the Chronicles of Narnia with my kids. So I, I read through, that was seven of my books this year, were the Chronicles of Narnia to my kids. And so I, I read Live Like a Narnian, and it's phenomenal. Like, if you're familiar with the stories, you got to know the stories and kind of love the stories in order to really like it. But he pulls out some really deep theological truths, and it actually helped equip me to have conversations about the Chronicles mm-hmm. of Narnia with my kids as I was reading them to the kids. So it was like, like you know, so I'd stop and just be like, you know, when, when Puddle Glum is talking to the White Witch about, you know, even if Narnia wasn't real, I prefer Narnia to your real world. It equips you to, to talk about the things and so the whole endeavor of reading chronicles of narnia to your kids which is an enjoyable process i think it helped make it just a more fruitful process and i really enjoyed the book because of how recently i'd read the the stories so yeah you you would be something because you're an english major 
a book about another book is generally something you're going to love. Hundred percent. So like, I think of like, like I think it was last year. It was the uh, like Tom Bombadil book. And, and that like, was a Tom Bombadil yeah, was, like, was the book of 2020. That was but, what, like, I, mean, I love like, that book. But part of that's because it's talking about another book. Yeah. You love the abolition of man, which yeah. is critiquing another book. That's kind of like one of your wheelhouses, right? Because you're, yeah, you're yeah. and I think it's because your mind is able to remember the details of other books. Whereas like, I can remember what I'm reading and then I'm fair, like, fair like so there's that. Okay, disappointment? biggest disappointment. Yeah, you had said mere Christendom. I so um, just because I, I think I just unfairly elevated yep. it. And yeah, if anybody wants to get mad that's at me, Jordan Cecile. Yeah. Um, so. If somebody wants to get mad at me, I read eighteen Doug Wilson books this year. So <laughs> I love the man. Get out of here. I just it wasn't what I was thinking it was going to be. So that's yep. why I was really wanting it to be the mission of God, like you said. That's a that's what I wanted, and it wasn't that. So. So you guys are going to laugh at me. So this is, I read a book called Giants, Sons of the Gods, 10th Anniversary Nephilim Edition by Douglas Van Dorn. <laughs> so, so obviously I've been listening to some Haunted Cosmos. because you read the Nephilim edition. Yeah. That was yeah. the problem. You read the Nephilim edition. Yeah. You need the Bigfoot one. Yeah. And then it's like, it's really good. Um, uh, so here's the thing. I enjoyed it because I enjoy this, this level of thing. Douglas Van Dorn, he's been on, they, they've referenced him on Haunted Cosmos. He's been on the Blurry Creatures podcast. If any, anybody was listening to our podcast, what was that series called? cosmology series where we were talking about gods and giants and and all that kind of stuff so it was right in the wheelhouse i read it at that time but i was actually just disappointed because i would say he's not theologically sound and so you're reading stuff you want people to pull out of the bible because at that time i was really into the whole you know the nephilim and all the weird stuff in scripture and he was just pulling it out in a way that i'm like oh that's not great like so i was disappointed because i was expecting more from it and people that i respect held him in high esteem. And then I started reading him like, oh, this guy doesn't really handle the scriptures responsibly, I would say. So that would be unseen realms for me in 2022. Yeah. Where I was like, it's kind of what I wanted, but it's not really fully on what I wanted. Like it is, but I mean, it's not as well done as it's funny. You mentioned uh, unseen realm. So Heiser, I read his, the facade, which I was actually kind of disappointed with. And he's not a good fiction writer. And that was, because you're thinking a guy who understands this much about yes. the weird stuff of scripture yeah. is going to write something and awesome. And so it just wasn't a very good book. Like yeah. the things he was talking about, it's like, yep, I'm on board. Yep, you've already convinced me because I read Unseen Realm and uh, his like demons one as well. But as an actual fiction book, it's like, this is you're not a good storyteller. Yeah. And so it's just disappointing because I wanted this epic, you know, aliens are really demons kind of thing. Yeah. And it, it just, I mean, was it was it? that, but yeah. not, <laughs> not, but not well. well. Yes. Yeah. So what was your biggest disappointment, Chris? Uh, mine was The Case for Christian Nationalism by Stephen mm. Wolf. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think this is a little bit of the mere Christendom syndrome is that like you guys both read it in 2022. Yeah. And I had waited until 2023 because I had read a couple other Christian nationalism. I tend to not want to read back to back similar um, books. So I pushed off Wolf's book and then I read it this year and I just, uh, it just wasn't that great. Like, and maybe it's because I'm not smart. Like, so it was like, he, I like, he laid out his, his case. I agreed almost with almost all of it, Yeah. but it was just like, I wanted something that was more like I could flop down and be like, good luck debating this. Yeah. And I was like, I just didn't feel like that. And then there was a couple things that I was just like, well, yeah, I don't think you saw, like you proved that he's not really a theologian. You know what I mean? He was kind of coming at it and just kind of, yeah. and I think even that's, Part of, I think, uh, it coming from Canon Press, yeah. the expectation yeah. was a little bit more. It's like, this is more of a political philosophy book than it is a Yeah, and I think, I, I, think I was thinking it was more theological. And yeah. so his arguments, he even says at the beginning, like, this isn't like a theological work. 
Which is interesting because he has one chapter in that book that's actually the best chapter in the book where he's actually defending the doctrines of grace. And I think he actually does that extremely well. Mm-hmm. That's not what the book's about, but that that particular chapter I, I think is actually really good. Yeah, I will I will say I went to the Fight Laugh East conference. Actually you were there too. Yeah. And he actually was on the cross politic episode that they recorded live. And I actually liked him more in person when he was there. Cause like he did come across very humble. He was like it was very evident he's like, I'm not a I'm not a pastor. I'm not like this is just I yeah. wanted to write a book. Like yeah. um and this is what it and so like he presented himself a lot better in person than I think the argument in the book portrayed. Yeah, and correct. so I, I actually, I remember going in and I actually felt bad for him because he took a lot of heat with a couple of things he said on Twitter with like, like he did say some dumb um, stuff on Twitter though. I'm did, not going to lie. Yeah. Um, but he, like he took heat even from the camera. Yeah. Like, I thought, uh, I thought it was good that Knox and, and Wilson kind of held him to task in a, yeah. in a charitable kind way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The book kind of actually went up in my esteem, but it was still my biggest disappointment. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. What was your hardest book to read? The hardest probably was Abolition of Man, even though it's so short, just because I like the way I, he writes and I had no idea what he was talking about with the like the other textbooks that he was talking about. I'm like, I was like, I don't know what you're even critiquing. Yeah, it right. felt like there was like, missing context. <laughs> yes. There was probably only two books, only two. Everybody's like, you've done that before. where I had to go on the Internet and like Google like help for the book. <laughs> like, um, And Abolition of Man was one. Okay. So and it was because like. I don't want to read something and not get what I'm supposed to get out of it. Yeah, but it was right. like very evident. Me and you were laughing, like laugh. I'm looking at Jordan, if you guys say, like we were kind of like laughing about like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be getting. And then all of a sudden <laughs> you would get it and be like, oh, that's amazing. Yeah. But like, so it wasn't a bad book. It just, it was the hardest. Um, that's fair. And then, yeah. Yeah. I had uh, religious affections. Uh, that was my other option. I found it so. that it was a tough read, but it also was at a time where my mind was not at all interested in what he was saying. Right. Like I was wanting to study other stuff and I have a hard time reading a book that I'm not intellectually right. stimulated by. So it's like, it's like reading a textbook for a course you hate. Edwards can be tough. You guys both read, I mean, it, it doesn't make it to your book list, but um, you guys both read, because it was part of the pastoral discipleship, was Edwards' unpublished essay on the Trinity. That's a very hard thing to sift through. Yep. But I, I would just encourage anybody who's listening, Edwards is tough, but he's worth it. Yep. Like, yeah. Yeah, and like religious affections, there were some nuggets in there that were just incredible. Yeah, totally. It's just there were times where it felt like he used 80 pages to say something that probably could have been done in a few pages. Like, it's just, it's like you're going on and on and on. I think it's just the time as well. Like our modern minds are just pathetic and we can't really sustain that the way that they used to. So that was like, I said, I had two. That was the other one hard. I was tracking with his argument. I know you, you obviously hated affections, but I mean, like, I thought you'd catch right away that I was kidding there. The, just the language I find, I, mm. I do struggle still with like a lot of the like 1600s, 1700s writing where I'd like, I want somebody to come and just put this into modern English. Like, yep. Yeah, my biggest disappointment. So I read two books to my kids, Princess and the Goblin by George MacDonald. There's a second follow-up one. It's, that's such a great book. I think you read that, you've read that to your I kids. I haven't yet, no. Okay. No. So Princess and the Goblin is, uh, so uh, George MacDonald is sort of the guy that inspired C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis called him his master, just in terms of like um, writing fiction. And so this, the follow-up to that is The Princess and Curdie. And it's like highly touted. And I just, when I read it, it just kind of fell flat for me. It wasn't, uh, it, I think it was just built up by other people. And, and my kids so enjoyed The Princess and the Goblin and they didn't really enjoy the the follow-up. So that just happened to be my my biggest disappointment. So, And what was your hardest? Is, are our books hard to you uh, or hard for you to read? Like, do you find, did you uh, find one that was difficult? 
It's like nothing's hard for me. (laughs) (laughs) The Man Who Was Thursday is not easy reading. I also um, read some P.G. Wodehouse. Mm. Um, Doug talks about him. Yeah, there's some things in there that are so, so funny, but he's he's tough to read as Mm. well. I even tried to do, Doug Wilson has some stuff on, I didn't read, none of these were listed because I actually didn't finish any of them. Wilson has a book out on his poetry now. Um, there's uh, Peter Lightheart has some poetry stuff on Canon Plus. And I was like, I, I should, I'm a literary guy. I should appreciate poetry. I just don't. Yeah, I don't like And art. so I, I um, yeah, like... I, I struggled with it. I did reread the Aeneid. Um, mm-hmm. And that's always always a tough read. So I, I read that this year as well. Uh, and that's always a tough, tough slug. But uh, you, yeah. you know, it's a tough read when I can't like even fathom how to spell that word. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like you read a book I don't even think is in English. Like, so fair enough. Um, OK, so funniest uh, where book. Are we? Funniest. Yeah, yeah. Did I, you have a funniest book? Yeah, I put notes from the Tilt World okay. for this. That's like fair. this year was the first year I read it because I hadn't read it before. I'm so jealous that it, you get to read it for the first time. Like it's <laughs> so good. I quite enjoyed it. I found it humorous. Yep. So. so mine, and I apologize to other theological persuasions, but right behind <laughs> by Andy <laughs> Wilson. I, that was 2021 I'm, for me. I'm so sorry. So good. But his yeah, uh, is... his satire on the the rapture is like people getting sucked up and banging their heads off of the ceiling is just like some of the best things I've ever, it was amazing. So a true story about that book. So we did a gift exchange a few years ago at a good friend of ours houses. And, um, it was like, was it secret Santa or whatever, but you had me. So Nate had me and that, and like I opened it, but didn't read right. I just saw the cover and I was like, why would somebody get me a critique of a left behind pamphlet? And I was like, (laughs) and Nate had to be like, read it and i was like i was like oh okay i get it now like but i just i yeah. didn't and i resisted reading it for a while i mean i think he's he did it in such a way that even if somebody was of that persuasion I they could probably so, yeah. find the humor in yeah. it like he does it well he does it with uh with good spirit but it just it, it did make me laugh out loud a number of times and my wife was like what are you reading and so i, I was gonna say to a thousand generations <laughs> the doug wilson pato baptist book but i didn't <laughs> So it's funny you say that. So so you had notes from the Tilted World and and you had right behind. And my funniest book was actually the amazing Dr. Rantum, Ransom's Bestiary of Adorable Fallacies, a field guide for the clear thinkers. And that's actually written by Doug Wilson and his son, mm-hmm. Nate Wilson. So we all had N.D. Wilson as like writing our funniest books. It's basically it's an intro to like logic. And so they make all the various uh, logical fallacies creatures like like animals and so it talks about how and, and even in talking about how to capture that animal is sort of like how to in rhetoric actually to overcome these these various like logical fallacies. So it's it's pretty cool. Hmm. So like it goes through like ad hominem, right? And it, it makes a creature that's an ad hominem creature. And then it talks about how to catch it is is to sort of how to rhetorically, you know, answer somebody who resorts to ad hominem. It was like in all of the Nate Wilson, like clever, funny, witty, like it was it was fantastic. I don't laugh aloud, out loud a lot when I read. Like, so even trying to, I was trying to think back what the funniest book I'd like, I'm sure there's books that I actually did find more humorous than even notes, but I couldn't remember because yeah, that's not what that's I'm fair. thinking about. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. Best audiobook was one and you were talking about the narration. So yeah, for me, this was just like a clear winner and Andy Serkins with the Lord of the Rings. Mm, and he nice. does, I think I, I, I'd heard between the three books. Not, did you get that off Audible? Yeah. Yeah. So we actually have, like he's, they've redone them with him. It's uh, The Hobbit, The Three Lord of the Rings, and The mm. Silmarillion. He's, yeah, he's nice. redone all of them. And it's, he does like over 180 different voices. And it's just incredible. That's like just awesome. the the quality of it. So like my wife's listening to it right now. Um, I've listened to th- through them. And it's just, 
I've never read an audiobook that is as good. Like it's, or sorry, listened to an audiobook that is as good. It is the best audiobook experience I've ever had. So yeah. I feel like wow. people just need to know about it. I believe this one will count, but uh, <laughs> it's always a dangerous. So I'll tell you a little bit of a story. So a good friend of ours, Paul Toshik, he one day was just like, everybody needs to read this book. And it's a Doug Wilson book called All the Condemnation in the World. And he was like, I can, I want to buy it for you. Can I buy either a physical copy or the, or the audio? And I was like, honestly, if you want me to read it this year, send me the audio. And assuming he was going to gift me a book on Audible or whatever, all of a sudden I get all these emails, like 30 emails in a row, all from Paul. And it's like a wave file in each one. And I'm like, <laughs> what the heck? And then I open it up. And it's him doing the audio <laughs> of this book. He read the book to me. And the like best bedtime part is, stories with Paul Toshik. <laughs> but the best part is like he read all of the like copyright 2000. Like, like all of like, there's, like And the best part is like he even says like at the beginning, he's like, and I had express written per, uh, permission to do this by, and I was just like, so you didn't even break any laws or like, so I'm not like, outing him on this podcast. But I was like, so that had to win because one, it was like, I know who's reading it to, but also in my brain, which is funny about it now is that did when I picture him, when I think of that book, I, yeah, I did picture him. But like when I think of that book, I, to me in my brain, Paul Toshik wrote that book. <laughs> <laughs> Just wait till he sends you the audio file of uh, Crossroads Bible Church parking manual. Yeah. <laughs> it's <true>. longer. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, probably, it probably is. Uh, but no, that was oh, my best audio book. Cause it was like, uh, there's something great about like yeah. hearing a book by like a friend. Okay. So, so mine's a bit of a cheat. So our family went down to the Ark Encounter uh, this year. And so uh, I, like I said, I, I read through the Chronicles of Narnia um, with my kids this year, but it was on that drive. Uh, we happened to be on uh, The Horse and His Boy. So I downloaded what I thought was just an audio book of that for them to read, but it was actually like a, uh, it wasn't like a full on like theater, but it was sort of that audio theater where there's like mm -hmm. sound effects and all that kind of stuff oh, and different, awesome. different people reading different voices and stuff. So I get that that's not necessarily an audio book, but like number one, Horse and His Boy is my favorite of the Chronicles of Narnia series. And then like the fact that we were listening to it and it was just so well dramatized and everything that like, that's what comes to my mind as soon as I saw this question. Cause I was like, that was, so that's the one that we did in the drive to, to and from Kentucky. What's, what's unbelievable well, to, to, to me Kentucky. about that is that the horse and the boy is your favorite Narnia book. Oh, it's so good. Like that's like almost everybody has a few that like stand out. And that's one that like, I, you might be the only person I've ever heard say that's their favorite. Oh really? Voyage oh, of the Dawn Treader is my favorite. Voyage mm. of the Dawn Treader is also very good. No, Horson's Boy has the best scene in any Narnia. It's when Aslan first reveals himself. Mm. He's walking beside and he's scared and, and he doesn't realize, there, and he's thinking that there's this lion that's kind of hunting him and he's whispering, he's talking about, you know, I was the one who saw you and he's talking about the trials and stuff. Like, it was fantastic. It's a great book anyway. Okay. Worst book that you actually completed. I think we all have the same one. Is it The Potter's Promise? Yep. By Leighton Flowers. Yeah, Leighton Flowers. So we read this, you know, again, part of the pastoral discipleship. Um, this was a book that needing to know how people uh, think in terms of uh, responding to the doctrines of grace. I had everybody read this book just in sort of prep for them, but you all hated me for making you read it. I think it's horse crap. <laughs> okay. All there right. We go. There we go. <laughs> this, so what I was disappointed with is actually just the uh, Jordan and I were saying this earlier is just the like the scholarly side of it. Like I think what what I was disappointed with in that is not necessarily the perspective. Okay. So there's plenty of people 
Tozer, Lewis, right? These are heroes of the faith who would fall into that more provisionist traditionalist camp in terms of their theological persuasion. I think they're wrong, but I, it, that it's not because of the position. It's actually just because I don't think Leighton Flowers was at all fair with the Calvinist perspective. And, that, and that's why I said it was horse crap because yeah. he, he misrepresents yeah. even our position the whole the whole time. And yeah. then he does this he does this super devious thing all the way through the book where he's like, "Here's all things that we all agree on." And here's all these verses for it. And then he stops quoting scripture and says, and the Calvinist says this. Yep. And it's like, oh, but you're not actually backing that, like your position up by scripture. You're just preloading us that you're doing something very yeah. biblical. And then you do an unbiblical argument. And it's like, well, no one is actually arguing what you're saying, but what you're saying is just something nobody believes. Like, yeah. And so it's like, well, obviously we don't think that because you're misrepresenting what we actually think. I read the book and I hated it, but I hated it. Because it was just a bad critique of our yeah, of I our agree. doctrine. And don't ever listen to somebody who's made their entire livelihood off of one. Like, off what they're against. Of, of, like of, of fighting and one thing. Especially a particular right? like, one thing, yeah. Like this is his only thing. And it's like, well. Does he have another thing? Because yeah. he doesn't have another thing. And you can like, you can like follow like Soteriology 101 is on Twitter and stuff. And that's Leighton Flowers whole ministry. So his entire ministry is about refuting Calvinism. And if you go and follow it on Twitter, again, all it is is like bad arguments against straw men of, of Calvinism. I think it was a bad book simply because it um, you want to talk about logical fallacies like mm-hmm. <laughs> this. This book was just full of kind of your the thing you're attacking isn't you don't you either don't understand it. Right. Which is a scholarly problem. Or you're misrepresenting it on purpose, and that's devious, like you said. So either, like, it can't be, it could, I guess, technically be both, but it's one of those two things, and either one, it amounts for a bad book. Okay, what's the worst book that you didn't finish? Unfortunately, I did finish The Butter's Promise, so I can't even count that. I only didn't finish one book this year, so I had no choice but to pick it. It was a Star Wars book that just was crap, so I was like, I'm not finishing this. It's a waste of time. It's called Children of the Jedi. It was Mm. not good. I mean, this one, uh, there's only a few that I didn't finish, but just because I thought it was interesting and I thought I was going to continue reading it, but not because it was bad, but Truths We Confess, R.C. Sproul, and it's mm. his exposition of the Westminster, why am I drawing a blank? The uh, Confession, Confession of Faith. Thank you, Westminster <laughs> Confession of Faith. Yeah. And I just didn't love some of his arguments. Like there were there were parts in it where like he even said, I know it doesn't say this explicitly, but we think it's good. Like, And, and so even just his mm. explaining some of Westminster, I was like, that's actually a really bad argument. And so I, he did that a few times where he wasn't really making good biblical arguments mm. f- about it. He was just saying this is what they what it, what it says, but not actually defending it. So I was a little just disappointed in sure. the quality of his arguments in it. And I think it just shows that I don't agree with many things of the Westminster Confession. And this is um, why Jordan was sent to the minors. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Like there are just the aspects of it where it's like, I actually don't think that's a good argument. Right. So, and it was a big book and yep. I just, I, I got about a quarter of the way through and I was like, I'll come back to this. And so good book, nothing like wrong with it. It's just, I didn't love his arguments. This one, and again, I didn't, there weren't many books that I started that I didn't finish, but there, there were a few. So this one, Chris might actually hate me because I think he really liked this book, but it was uh, Christian Nationalism by Andrew Iskar and, and Andrew Torba. Yeah, see, I, I read that in 2022, and I, I think I actually told your wife to get it for you for Christmas. <laughs> yeah, and, and so, yeah, maybe I, I can't remember if that's what she got me, but I was expecting more, and I just don't I don't like that writing style. It's just sort of a like, here, here's what grinds my gears. It felt like I was reading yeah, a really, totally really long tweet. <laughs> 
And uh, I actually didn't even know, realize I didn't finish it. I found it the other day because I was looking for my blue highlighter and uh, it, I found it in the middle of that book. So I will finish the book. It's not like I hated it so much, but I, I actually just stopped reading it at some point and forgot about it. And my wife put it like on, on my bookshelf with the highlighter still in the middle of it. I'm like, oh yeah, I never finished this. So yeah, that's the one I, I... See, I like a punchy book though. You know what I mean? Like, so like... Yeah, I like that's punchy. A... I just felt like it was... yeah Too punchy? Um... Nah, not even too punchy. It was just... Uh, I don't know. I, I just felt like it wasn't full. Like what, what, what's funny know. about that is that we we both put Christian like actually kind of in a way we all put Christian nationalism books As like on our on our disappointment books. But I think all of us would say we're Christian nationalists. Yeah, like, I'm, so, I'm, I'm like, fine with the term. That, isn't that funny? Like, yeah. um, so it just shows that even though like just to back up our pro, our Leighton Flowers critique, we also were disappointed with things that very much align with our yeah like um so it's not just us thinking that it's it's the book itself all right Um, so drum roll here it is what was the book of the year boys this is where i did put religious affections again only two books for this entire year got five stars for me actually three notes of the tilt award led to as well um but religious affections definitely did it's the second time i've read it in my life yep but this sounds super bright. The maturity level in terms of my just my reading acumen and like um, even just understanding it was much higher this time. Hmm. And I like talking things out. So like reading it when we could all get together and pull things out together. Yep. Massively improved it. And just just season of the life. Like I, I tend to be even though I come across very jovial, I kind of tend to come across pessimistic. I'm like generally a half empty kind of guy. And so just a book that's about talking about properly informing your affections. And then he, like, he kind of does the like very convicting thing all the time. It's like, and if you don't, you should examine yourself. Like, and it's like that, like, oh yeah. Like, so I just found it very, very helpful. And I actually think because I was forced to put the work in, I couldn't just go through it. You knew we were going to talk about it. So I had to um, actually meant that I did, like you said it earlier, Edwards is worth it. It's hard, but it's worth it. And so it was actually my best book because it was worth it in the end. I actually like generally you don't finish a book and be like, man, I deserve like a treat. Like, and when I finished (laughs) religious affections, I was like, honey, we're going out to dinner. (laughs) And and she's like, what now? And I was like, I finished this book. So that was mine. Religious affection, Jonathan Edwards. All right. So this is going to send me back down to the minors probably. But mine is Way of Kings. And the reason why is it reignited my love for just reading. Mm. And I needed yeah, that. I needed, because I'm a big fan of learning in various forms, whether it's podcast right. or blogs or whatever. But just to like sit down in a chair and just read a book, yeah. I hadn't really found joy in that. I, like I wanted to learn. So just to sit down and physically hold a book in my hands, they were heavy books, and just to enjoy it. And again, I just, I did not read a book all year that just, made me sit for five straight hours reading it because I was so interested in it and compelled by it. So And and you like, um, I'm going to out you a little bit here. Like we both, I would say at points this year, had like kind of like reading fatigue where we're yeah. just like, I don't want to read more pages, but yeah. I have to beat Jordan or you had to beat Chris. <laughs> and then we were all kind of like, yeah, we beat Nate. It's fine. <laughs> uh, like, <laughs> like, um, but it was like, so like, and w- when you read Way of Kings yep. was you started reading that when you were in yep. your like slump. So it would be like your slump buster kind of thing. Yep. Like, um, yep. Slump so buster. Yeah. That's, that's a baseball term. Eh? Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. No. And it just, it just to enjoy a book. And I think, uh, just to sit down, have a story that's captivating. It's well-written, good characters, interesting plot, yep. you know, good build up at the end. Like appropriate. Yeah. Like, like totally appropriate. There's nothing spicy about it. It was just 
great. You feel satisfied at the end of it. It's compelling you to read the next one. Like everything about it was just like, it was just an yeah, excellent story. Yeah, I read it in 2022. So like, so, but it's recent enough because I, like I read it. I remember parts of that book where I like, you would read it and you would like basically put the page down and be like, wow, did that just happen? Yes. And then you go back and read it like, oh, it didn't just happen. Yes. That's insane. Like, yeah. Like, Way of Kings, man. Yeah. So that's, that's my winner. Yeah. Fair enough. That's good. I I'd spiritualized them. I went with Edwards. He went yeah. With so Edwards I'll be going down to the minors. Yeah, that's right. My book was not a book that I uh, read for the first time. So it's kind of cheating. It's just hard not to put this as my number one book. Uh, last time I actually read it was during uh, pastoral discipleship that I went through 12 years ago with Mike Wilkins. He put the book in my hands. Uh, the Everlasting Man by Chesterton. Never read it. So good. And I had forgotten how much I loved Chesterton. And that's I, I ended up reading about six books from, from Chesterton, and that was what reignited it. I think I quoted it in a thread that we're all in, um, the Fritters and Stogies thread with mm -hmm. a few of our buddies. And I, I quoted it a couple times. And so if, then a few people started reading it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Fritters and Stogies is, I, I should yeah. More elaboration <laughs> is required. Um, so. It is what it is. It's, it's, it's a bunch it's of guys in the, name. In the church like, who get together. We, we smoke stogies and we eat homemade apple fritters. Yeah. So. A guy brought him one time and that's just yeah, become, that's the just become the it thing. It shockingly goes perfectly. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, you'd like, be shocked. Um, but it, then it got a couple other guys in the church to read it for the first time. And then just, again, that, that sort of thing that you're saying, Chris, is, is like when you get to hear somebody loving something for the first time and you're kind of reminiscing about it. So anyway, it's, it's by far one of the best books I've ever read. What were the books of 2022 again? Just so we're, it, wasn't it uh, Spine of Scripture? Hmm. Yeah, right. Spine of Scripture, I think, was all, all of ours. In, okay, in yeah, so Spine of Scripture 2022, and then we all had different ones this year. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So here, here's what I would love. I would love it if you if you listened to this and you went through all that. Man, post some of these, right? Go through the list here. I'll read them real quick, and then um, you can kind of jot this down. So if, you if you're grabbing a pen right now while you're listening to me, tell us what your best Christian book was, your best fiction, your best nonfiction, your best biography or history, your best guilty pleasure, your biggest surprise, your biggest disappointment, Hardest book to read, funniest book to read, best audio book, worst book, worst book that you didn't finish, and then tell us what your book of the year is. So do that on social media and just honestly, like post it on Facebook or whatever social media you use, Twitter, and tag us in it. Like tag either e either us individually or the Rebels or whatever. And I'd love to kind of get some thoughts on what some of the best books is, particularly what were the books of the year. Yeah. And in August, we're going to do a buddy read where we read a book together, all of us. And then let other people, whoever wants to read it with us, and we'll post in a signal thread about what we've read in that book so we can chat about it. The Rebel Book Club. The Rebel, Rebel Book, Book Club. Club. But we're going to do that in August, so you have time to think about what book you're going to commit to and that we're going to... How are we going to, like, a signal thread? Like, yeah, we yeah gonna... we'll, we'll get them to join a signal thread and we'll and we'll talk through it. Like, most people do that on Discord, but... I don't know how to use that. Okay, Discord's actually really easy to set up, so you could just do a Discord. Okay, but we can do a Discord for that. Um, that'll be quite fun. For yeah. Anybody? All um, right. Sounds good. Do we, um, we want to quickly throw it, like, correct me if I'm wrong, we are not trying for to beat each other this year? I'm looking I, at Jordan right now? No. I, <laughs> so, I, I, I think I listened to maybe an, a single episode of a podcast last year. I, so I, I, would, was, I would like to listen to some more podcasts. <laughs> I am so far behind in the Haunted Cosmos, you yeah, guys, that yeah, like, I would like to do that. Yes. I want to listen to 100 podcasts. Yeah, this year. And I just want to listen to music again. Like I've just like pretty Seriously. much didn't listen to music for a yeah, year. That's a, that's a, very true. Yeah, I, I didn't even think about that. I want that. to see my wife. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Chris <laughs> needs to fix his marriage. And yeah. I got a whole bunch of texts to get back to people. I'm, like, I'm just kidding. Oh, that's funny. So, I, I mean, I always try to hit that 50 mark because to me, that's basically a book a week. Um, I always try to kind of hit the 50 mark, but like, I'm not going to keep track like we did this no. year. I mean, it was yeah. just, that was a bit silly, but I think it's worthwhile in that like things did get a little silly this year in terms of how much we read and we all, the spirit of competition uh, cut us all, but like, it does go to show that like if you prioritize something, you know, you might not have to go to the extremes of like turning down uh, Michigan days with your friends or whatever yeah. it is. But you can read a lot more than you think you can. Audiobooks help. <laughs> yeah, that, that does it does help because yeah. it commutes and all that kind of stuff. And, 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 that that is, and that's, that's just the thing on like redeeming the time. Yes. Right. Like and that's the productivity, like which is a book I read every year. Yeah. We didn't talk about how many Wilson books each we read. We should clarify that yeah um, i read 26 doug wilson books 26 yeah yeah like you. <laughs> i think I eight, 18 is what i had written down yeah see i got 18 too yeah. but like one in my brain was paul toshik so it was like 17 plus paul <laughs> um so there's that there's but that there's 18. a lot of like well you think like the maritime series is four just there i read a couple of his fiction right like i read evangelifish ride sally ride um and flags out front which are three of his fiction books which are all pretty good i reread the serrated edge um, Gash Museeth it, which was actually surprisingly great. Um, Forgotten Heavens, he was part for, of it. Yeah, Forgotten I Heavens. Yeah, I, 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 I put I that under that Doug Wilson. Wilson book. Yeah, yeah. Um, I uh, I reread Serrated Edge and Wordsmithy, two books that I've read before. But I I tend to whenever I'm trying to write stuff, I tend to reread Wordsmithy at times. So mm. yeah, like there there were just a, a decent amount of Wilson right. books. Last question for the, this podcast for going into 2024. Goal, you said 52, so I want to hear Jordan's goal for the year. And then I also want to hear the book you're most looking forward to right now that you know you're going to read in 2024. Mm, okay. So I have in my Goodreads 60. It's just what I I just picked a number. Mm. So that's kind of my rough goal right now. I'm loosely following that. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, I haven't really, aside from the new Stormlight book that I know is coming at the end of the year, I haven't really given a lot of thought. There's a Jack Carr book coming oh, out. Oh, okay. May. So that... Um, so guilty pleasure. That'll <laughs> be that go. probably. So I guess they add those two. But in terms of like Christian stuff, I'm more about what do I want to study at that particular time. So I don't really put a lot of planning into it. If there's something I want to study, I'll find a book that's on that topic and yeah. then read it. Oh, so man. I don't really plan. I know you plan meticulously. I know but what I'm reading in 2025. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah I don't do that. When Nate changes the reading plan is when I, I start to get stressed. I'm like, oh man, how am I going to fit <laughs> institutes of biblical law into my calendar? Like, yeah. I have 52 as my, I put that every year as my goal because I'm like, if I, like honestly, if I just finished one book a week, I'd be delighted yeah. with the with the year. Um, but I've planned out that I will read seventy five based on the number of pages I I aim for every day. But the book I'm most looking forward to, I just found that this book exists. It's R.C. Sproul, Unseen Realities, and it's his book on like the unseen realms. Oh, and I'm like. Wow. R.C. Sproul on the Unseen Realms. And so, because he hinted at it in like, because I, I listen to an R.C. Sproul sermon every day, and which is actually one time I don't like uh, am reading. And uh, he just kind of like dropped it a little bit while he was talking on the Sermon on the Mount. And I was like, he has a book on cosmology? And I was like, wow. looked okay. it up. And so Love I bought it. two copies. Me and Heather are going to read it together because um, we try to And then you'll to, give me that copy and I'll and read one it. of them will go to Nate. Yes. Um, but like, un, it's called Unseen Realities. So okay. I'm, I have it. I know nothing. That's nice. all I know. But I'm going to read that. It came today. I'll say the Christian book I'm looking forward to most, I just got it in the mail the other day, is uh, Resisting Tyranny, a Christian Response to Government Overreach. It's by um, the newest fellow at the Ezra Institute, uh, Tobias Remenschneider. 
Yeah, I, think I, had, yeah. I had that in my office. You could just borrow it. You have it? Oh, yeah. Okay. It's yeah. the German dude from that yeah. Yeah. at work. Yeah, yeah. So the history there is I actually worked with him early on when we were trying to draft something internationally with guys like Thomas Seidler and, and him. So anyway, I, I just got his book. He just published it with Ezra Press. So I'm, I'm uh, looking forward to reading that. I'm looking forward to getting into the uh, the Stormlight series that you guys are ranting and raving about. Because I you feel know like what? I'm, I'm, I'm the looking only, forward to you getting. I know into I'm, it. I'm, like, I'm the only guy apparently who's uh, who's not read these things, and I haven't I haven't read like non Christian fiction in a long time. I shouldn't say that. I, I read a few classics here and there, but I haven't read fantasy uh, stuff since other than outside of C.S. Lewis or Tolkien in a long time. So I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be great fun. Have either of you read uh, Tolkien's uh, like Legendarium Mm-mm. stuff? No. no. No? Yeah, I was thinking about reading that this I'd year like too. To, but this year I'd like to finish uh, The Silmarillion. Yes, yeah, just because I've never, I've never, I don't know anything about it. But then I okay. see, I see like if you love the Tolkien world, if you mm-hmm. love Middle Earth, if you love all that stuff, then it's. I actually, I wouldn't mind going back to it. When I first read it, it, it didn't interest me as much, but I feel like it would now if I went back to it because, yeah, honestly, some of even just the biblical cosmology stuff that mm-hmm. we are are so steeped in or have been over the last little while, I think uh, you know you'll you'll see good hints of what Tolkien believed about all that. So, all right. Anything else we want to say? Read more. Read more stuff. Read more. Hopefully this was encouraging to you guys. Hopefully it was fun. We had fun doing it. And there, There's uh, nobody still listening. <laughs> <laughs> well, in that case, see ya. <laughs> <laughs>